Welcome to Engineering Career Journeys, brought to you by Australia-wide Engineering Recruitment. This is a podcast series where we interview prominent senior engineers from across Australia and delve deeper into their career journeys and how they got where they are today. We hope that this will inspire and assist up-and-coming engineers in planning their own careers. Now over to your host, David Armstrong, General Manager of Australia-wide Engineering Recruitment. Hello and welcome to today's conversation with Vin Vassilo. Vin is originally a civil engineer who has further enhanced his expertise by studying at prominent business schools, including at Harvard. Vin is a senior executive with 30 years experience both here in Australia and in the United States, leading and managing business teams in complex and diverse environments. For 14 years, Vin has been working with Transurban, a top 15 ASX listed business, a fully Australian-owned company that build and operate toll roads across Australia as well as in North America. Vin's roles included Senior Vice President Development North America and more recently Group Executive Development. In his spare time, Vin is an avid golfer and planning to walk the Portuguese Coastal Camino Trail together with his wife next year. Thanks very much to you, Vin, for joining us. Let's get started. Vin, why did you choose engineering and ultimately civil engineering as your field of study? Oh, well, David, thank you very much and welcome to all your listeners. Thank you. And on reflection, it's interesting how I ended up in engineering and my father's an engineer, my father's uh, an electrical engineer and I grew up as a kid watching him and in the old days, you know, with the, with the set square and the pencil and the eraser on his desk designing big power stations. So my father was, was into transmission and, and power generation and I think I was probably about 10 when I got caught sort of at his desk rubbing out lines on his design, his network design with his eraser. So I very quickly decided I wasn't going to be an electrical engineer. And, and probably the key reason for that is that I always thought to myself, that stuff can kill you and you can't even see it. So engineering was always something that was sort of of interest to me. You know, I didn't know the word engineering as a young kid at it was sort of more about building things and creating things. And I would often find myself in the garage with my father, helping him build things and learning to use tools. And then in my teens, I used to spend a lot of my school holidays with my younger brother. We'd go up and work on a close family friend's farm. They had a really big farm just uh, south of Yarrawonga. And I found myself working on the farm for most of the school holidays. And, you know, it'd be simple things of fixing fences and picking up sticks and, you know, we learned to drive cars and tractors and motorbikes and ride horses, you know, at the ages of sort of 12 to 16. And I sort of thought to myself, wouldn't it be fantastic to be able to work on, on a farm and live on a farm and own a farm? And my father was very wise with his counsel and said, I think you need to be born into that, you know, to go and Purchase a farm is a huge undertaking and I sort of explored, I think it was year 10 part of schooling life, well, what opportunities are there between engineering and rural life and farm life? And I thought, well, you know, I'll be the Shire engineer. That's what I wanted to be, is the Shire engineer and, and that, you know, meant that civil engineering was a good field to choose. And mm -hmm. my first work experience, I went down and worked for the local Shire Council where I grew up. I was as bored as hell. <laughs> and it was probably because they didn't have a lot to give me as a you know and I think that occurs a lot 
you know, a lot of young kids sitting there and they have these dreams and then they go get their work experience and it really sort of probably disappoints. And a couple of the guys that were there were sort of picked up quickly that, you know, I had great expectations and probably were felt a little bit flat. And they shared with me what a great diversity engineering had and all the mm. different places it can take you. So it didn't, I didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I stuck with my belief that, you know, maybe engineering is a good place to go and civil engineering's an area that gives me plenty of opportunities, whether it be into the water, into construction, into yeah. design. And that was probably enough of an excitement for me then to knuckle down and, and be able to concentrate on my studies. And I didn't mind school. I, I rather enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. studies for me wasn't the biggest chore. And I know, you know, a lot of people struggle in the classroom environment. And you know, my younger brother was the perfect case in point where the, you know, the four walls of the classroom wasn't an environment for him. So he went and he was running his own plumbing business by the age mm-hmm. of was 20 and went on and did his own post, you know, education studies. And I think there's lots of pathways and pathways into engineering as well. So I think for those sort of young people out there that have this aspiration, but the classroom's not necessarily for them, I think that, that doesn't mean you don't go get out there and get yourself a job and then do your post studies of an evening and, you know, into project management and all those sort of fields. I ended up at RMIT. Mm-hmm. I liked the sound of Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology. It was one of these sort of more practical hands-on environments. I grew up in the Yarra Valley, so the train took me straight past Swinburne into RMIT and a lot of my mates were at Swinburne. Fair to say I spent a fair bit of my first year at the Swinburne Hotel, even though <laughs> RMIT was a bit of a problem, which is probably not an unusual thing for engineering no. students. Uh, get that out of your system in the first year because it's pretty tough for the next few years after that. Yep. But, uh, you know, I, I was able to continue to explore what civil engineering meant and and for me that diversity was, was really the attraction. And yes. I think some people sort of, fear the unknown and you know that's understandable the alternative is just to go and explore it and explore that and taste it different parts of it and actually in reflection across my early parts of my career and and maybe by chance more than good luck rather than good management is that I think actually getting a really good foundation is so important and you know when you sort of think about you know the pyramids and these great buildings and even Roman ruins that the foundations are always sort of so critical and they're always the things that are left and you know I think getting that great foundation and spending time exploring as a young person whether that's an engineer or someone into project management that will ultimately sort of maybe go and do further studies in engineering it gives you a huge rounding and I think gives you a, a really solid platform to work from. The alternative is you can sort of get all excited in one discipline and head off and be excel in that discipline. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that may be really exciting for some individuals, but yes. it does, in my view, sort of pigeonhole you a little bit. And there's plenty of time across your career to find areas where you can become an expert. I just think early in your career, the the real opportunity is is to go and broaden your horizons Mm. and explore and build that foundation. And it's interesting how later in your career, you often go back to some of those early learnings that you never thought would come back and play, you know, and 
so here I am, you know, 30 years into my career and, and I still quite often sort of look back and think about my very first job was, and I still remember my very first day. I was lucky enough to be picked up as a graduate engineer with Civil and Civic, which was the, a famous preeminent builder, infrastructure builder in Australia. It's now called Lendlease, mm-hmm. so grew into Lendlease. So I was a Civil and Civic grad and... Um, I arrived at uh, the offices in St Kilda Road at 8.20, I remember, you know, for an 8.30 start (laughs) and made sure I was early and, uh, you know, as nervous as hell. And by 11 o'clock, I was in Albury. Oh, wow. Into the deep end. Yeah, absolutely. This fellow by the name of Arch Fotheringham, a hell of a lovely guy, wandered out, handed me a hard hat and said, come on, we've got a plane to catch. We ended up flying to Albury, and by 11 o'clock I'm talking to the project manager of this construction site. We were refurbishing and rebuilding a dog food factory. It (laughs) sort of doesn't sound glamorous, but it was probably one of the most exciting projects I've done. I was talking to this project manager, and I sort of asked him, so so when do I start? And he said, oh, well, any time before 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. And the next thing I knew, I was on a flight home and packing my car and, and I drove up the next morning. I got up at four o'clock and got in the car and drove, drove up. I wanted to be on time at seven o'clock on this construction site the next morning. You know, it sort of happened so quickly, I probably didn't have time to think about it because if I had, I probably would have been scared. I probably mm. would have had a whole heap of hesitations. But the opportunities and grasping those opportunities when they present themselves to you is something yes. that I just highly recommend. And, and the opportunity to travel with work, particularly when you're young, yeah, is something sure. that I would also highly recommend. I uh, ended up in you know, a town that I'd never worked in, never lived in. I've made some great friends in that journey, great work colleagues. We tell some great stories. I still see some of them today, you know, in the industry functions and you spot them across the room and particularly in your early years, I think, you know, those friendships last forever. So I do, do encourage people to nurture those relationships early in their career because they are lifelong career networks that you, you have. In fact, I was only talking about my uh, keen golf nature. I was only playing golf yesterday with a gentleman that he and I were both in the same intake of the civil and civic grads in 1989 and here we are in 2020 still oh, good you know, catching up for a, a round of golf so yeah great? highly recommend it isn't that great isn't that great well what, a, what an interesting start to your career it's right in the deep end to begin with very very interesting what was the biggest turning point then you would say that accelerated your career interestingly again in reflection here we are in 2020 with you know the, the pandemic and and a recession and unemployment and I was listening to the TV news the other day and the last time we were in this environment was 1991 and, you know, and I just started my career in 1991. And, in fact, Civil and Civic sort of had almost run out of work in Melbourne and they sort of turned to a lot of us and said, look, we've got work in Sydney if you want to relocate yourself to Sydney and, you know, go to Sydney and, and we can provide you work in Sydney. Mm. And actually, the guy I was playing golf with yesterday, he took that opportunity and moved himself to Sydney and his career blossomed, ended up mm. marrying a lovely lady from Sydney. Uh, I took the opportunity to actually travel. My girlfriend at the time and still today my wife, we, we took the opportunity and we, we packed up everything we, and saved all our pennies and, and put backpacks on and off. And we, we spent two years wandering the world. 
through this period. I must admit, it's probably had the most profound influence on my abilities to be able to work in team environments. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you very quickly in those sort of environments, you know, in backpacking hostels in India or Mm. in, uh, you know, sitting on trains in Egypt or in Turkey and Mm. is you learn very, very quickly to be able to communicate with common travellers, with local people of all different backgrounds. So, you know, we returned home from from our wonderful trip and wonderful travels and I ended up uh, with a little construction company, a tiny little construction company, building roads down on the Mornington Peninsula. So I was building all these roads. And the ability to actually sit there and say, this is a really great opportunity to learn. Mm. You know, it was so far removed from the big civil and civic glamorous organisation. This was a sort of like family-owned business. They had a couple of machines and, and they were off, you know, making a go of it. You know, I found myself in the morning in the trenches laying pipes, in the afternoon on the excavator digging holes, the next morning I was pouring concrete and in the mud. The next afternoon I was in my suit in the bank, in with the bank manager trying to extend the overdraft so we could pay the guys. The next day I was wow. in the, the Shire offices with the progress claim trying to ask the council if they could pay us early. So, And, you know, at the time I'm sort of thinking, you know, wow, this is a really tough environment. What have I done? What have, how have I got myself into this environment? But some of those learnings there have given me the ability to know what it's like as a small subcontractor. And later in my career when I was project directing major projects, you know, mm. building big parts of the freeway network, you know, mm. as a project director on Western Ring Road sections, working for another, you know, iconic Australian company called Abbey Group, spent a lot of time as project director of big, big projects. I was so worried about all the small subcontractors when I was really focused, you know, and, and their paperwork was horrible. They never got their paperwork in time and they'd missed the progress claims and therefore their monthly progress claim would be late. And I would drag them in and I would sit there with them at six o'clock at night and i say, right, let's sit down and do your progress claim. Can I help you do your progress claim so you can get paid? Because if you don't get yes. paid, first and foremost, you're not playing your guys, you're not putting food on the table. And I, I suppose I built this rapport and this probably a little bit of a reputation in the industry where subbies would love to come and work for us Mm. and they would love to come and work for us because we treated them well. You know, we didn't treat them as grubby subbies, you know, but we we treated them as... Treated them the way you want to be treated yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah, Yeah. sure, sure. And knowing the circumstances they went into and putting yourself in their shoes. And I think, you know, the minute I saw one of my young engineers or my, you know, the foreman on the project not treat those guys with the due respect they were deserved. And, you, you know, yeah, I, I, I sort of sort of would, and I wouldn't get mad or upset. I, I, I'd sort of just get, I suppose, more disappointed and I'd say, right, let's, let's try and work out what this guy's day looks like. Yes. You know, so you quickly gave feedback then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's really important too, yes. you know, and, and it's really important to ask for feedback. You know, I think... Yes. I think that's one of the most courageous things you can do in your in your career is ask for help. I don't think at any point in time when I've asked for help, I've ever been chastised. I learned to ask for help a lot. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great attribute, isn't it? And a great yeah. learning to be able to. What would you say, Vin, was important to you in regards to postgrad studies? And how, how much did you do in order to reach to your level? It's an interesting one. I, I haven't done a lot, and I'm not sure whether there's a right way or a wrong way. I do believe there's so much more to learn on, on the job learning. And I've had a lot of these discussions with colleagues and with team members and with reports who are so excited they want to go off and do all of this sort of tertiary learning. The, the question I ask is why? Is it for the certificate or is it for the name? You know, and they're good reasons. I'm not mm. saying they're poor reasons. You know, it's nice to have on your CV. And then the second question is, is this the right time? Are you going to learn from that really everything that's possible to learn from that? And my view on that is, is, is around is spend the time experiencing it first because then when you go and actually sit in a classroom or on an online learning environment or even read a book, it actually makes sense. And I think you absorb so much more. And, okay, so and timing think, is important then? Yeah, timing is important. And I think being specific rather than being generic with your yes. learning. And I've done a number of short courses and I think they're probably, you know, I haven't done an MBA and, and I know lots have and I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. It, it sort of didn't appeal to me. It sort of felt to me like it was such a broad sort of total business attribute. And I think there's some really good learnings in the experience of learning there. But, you know, I actually took an alternative approach, which was to go and do some specific courses, and that was mm. some specific contract management courses, some specific risk management courses. I, you know, I uh, and you, you did ask what was a fundamental change in my career, and one of those points along my career and, and I'd sort of got to a point where I was no longer on the projects with my boots on from 6am to 6pm, six days a week. I was being the engineering manager or operations manager for mm. Abbey Group across all of their projects, which is a really hard transition and, I, and maybe there's some, you know, engineers that are, that are starting to get to that point in their career is where you actually move from being the project manager or the project director with hands-on tactile ability to one step removed. But you've still got all the responsibility, but you don't have your hands on the driving wheel. And it's a really challenging time. I, I, I struggled with it. I, I share with you, you know, you, a great friend of mine, um, a young lady who's one of the, probably the best engineers I've worked with, and, and still today she... She reminds me that, you know, Vin, there is more than one way to skin a cat and your way doesn't have to be the right way. And I think mm -hmm. that for me was a learning is to actually let people, give people space and time for them to learn as well. And one of my little sayings is you've got to let people fall over and graze their knees or you've got to let kids yes. touch the pot to learn that it's hot. And the same thing happens as part of your career. I think particularly when you've got young engineers working for you, you don't smuggle them. You've got to let them learn and they've got to sometimes make mistakes to learn. Never chastise them. Encourage them to, to ask for help. But I think also, you know, you've got to be watchful. You don't ever want a kid to sort of fall off their bike and break their leg or scold themselves. So you will be sure not to let them hurt themselves, but you've still got to let people, I think, experience it themselves and, and learn themselves. 
So to move into that more senior role, whereby you're one or two steps removed away from the decision-making, the day-to-day decision-making, it's more of a strategic and a guidance was quite a, a difficult step for me. But it gave me time actually to ask myself, where do they get the money to pay us? A light bulb moment, I think I was driving home from a project on a Saturday. I'd gone out to visit a project on a Saturday, you know, and I thought I'd just go out and explore this project. I took a bunch of donuts out for the guys for morning tea and, you know, we're having a lovely morning tea and a chat to the guys in the crib huts and I love to go into the crib sheds and, work, you know, sit with the guys in the crib huts and hear their tips for the races and the tips for the footy games and, and you know, and, and I think and be a person rather than be a... Uh, you know, a, a manager. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really important. And yeah. I was driving home and I sort of thought, where do they get the money to pay us these? You know, and and that was a trigger for me to actually decide and, and that really probably sent me into the transurban world, the work, world of working for transurban. Yes. The opportunity came to then say, well, and how do you develop these projects? How do you get the funding for these projects? How do I can influence what the network looks like and how can I influence the outcomes rather than the outputs. And I think all of a sudden you start moving from outputs to outcomes. And, you know, a long part of my career was focused on the outputs, which are very, very important and I think very critical. But I think if you get the opportunity to stop and step back and you go, okay, well, what's the outcome look like? That changes your perspective a little bit. For, For me, that meant, you know, maybe I need to strengthen up my understanding of, reading financial reports what does a balance sheet look like how do i understand by looking at figures you know to be able to pick if something's going right something's Mm. going wrong Mm. how how can i look at early signals what trend data can i understand to do that is this what brought you to harvard that's what yeah that's what took me to harvard you know and it was a specific thing i i sort of you know and it was a yearning to to much better understand Mm. finance you know, there's a hell of a lot of words and terms with all, all industries and all sectors have all their buzzwords, you know, in the technology world, you know, they're, they're three-letter acronyms I can't keep up, but and engineering, lots of acronyms. And you go into the finance world and there's so many acronyms. Yes. And, and, you know, what I learned to do was to ask all the dumb questions because everyone else in the room wanted to ask the dumb yes. questions, but we're probably too scared to. <laughs> you know, and I kept saying to people, can you just... Can you stop with all the, you know, the complicated stuff? Mm. Make it sound really simple for me. When it comes to be something really simple, and so, you know, still today I, I look at, you know, we, we develop all these billion-dollar projects, you know, a $6 billion project gets developed and you start thinking about equity and debt and cover ratios, and refinance, mm. and, and you start to use all these, you know, discount rates and wax and EBITDA, and you use all these fantastic terminology and when you get back to understanding, it's no different to your first, yeah, buying yeah. a car and having yeah. to get the bank to give you a loan on a car or buying yes. a house and you've got to have a little bit of money before you can buy the house and then you've got to make your payments and, and you know, and, and then you look at what, well, what your payment looked like over a 25-year term and all of a sudden you start to actually say, you know what, I actually can understand that. It took me to get to Harvard to do that. So, you know, I, I went off and, and I did a, a course at, at Harvard and it was finance for senior executives. And I, I learned from a lot of other people that I was able to have a great opportunity to experience that learning with. So, you know, again, I, I think ongoing learning is really important. 
there's plenty of different ways of doing it. Sure. Sure. What about now, Vin? I mean, what, what sort of personal development do you currently do or have you been doing in order to, to stay abreast of perhaps of, of industry changes? I think one of the key learnings for me at the moment is the ability to to be able to, I think, have a greater ability to find time for reflection. There's a lot of people that are busy being busy, feeling good because I've achieved lots of little things. And to sit back and at times do nothing, you know, is, is a really difficult thing to do. But it gives you great, great insights and I think it gives you great... And so I suppose my development at the moment is actually observing. I love to observe... From And you, you do learn throughout your whole career by watching your boss or mm. aspiring to be the general manager of the business. And I always aspired to be the general manager of, of Abbey Group and I, I ended up being the general manager of Abbey Group. Right. It was an opportunity came and I took that opportunity because I always said to myself that was something I wanted to be. I was the general manager of Abbey Group Contractor Southern Region for four years, an exciting period, I must admit. And the gentleman that when I was a young kid, wanting to be that general manager of Abbey Group, took me aside one day and um, came out and he said, oh, let's go for a cup of coffee. And he, he obviously knew I was pretty keen and eager and, and probably a little aggressive at the time and probably a little bit sort of didn't have the patience. You were in a rush. You know, in a rush, exactly, yeah. the perfect yeah. word. And he, he's very wide, you know, and it took me two years to actually understand this saying and that's probably taken me another 20 to be able to apply it. But he sort of said to me, he said, be very careful of the people you step on on the way up the ladder. Great advice. He said, because they're the same people that pay you yep. on the way down. Yep. Yep. And I just, yep. like, and I'm now on the way down the ladder. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's probably taken that period of time for it to mean something. Yeah. But it was a really important piece of advice. And, and he also sort of said, you know what, and it came back to this foundations he says, if you climb that ladder, he said, if you've got a really skinny, tall ladder and you go climbing that ladder really quickly, he says, it, it starts wobbling around in the wind up there. And he said, it, it will top. He said, take your time, build a trestle, which is back to this, these to foundations. Yes, these yes. foundations on your way up through your career. And, you know, it, it, to me it was such great advice. And so now I suppose the opportunity to have this reflection and start to think back to my own mentors along my period and, you know, in my day growing up, they weren't known as formal mentors. You know, you were generally, mm -hmm. you know, someone put them under, you know, we would say someone put, put you under their wing. For, for better or for worse, someone, you know, you, you built up a relationship with an old foreman and he would throw you under your wing and usually they were the best guys to throw you under your wing. You'd learnt so much from them. Or in my case, I was very fortunate to have the general manager of the business throw me under his wing. There was a guy that was in a totally different division who's still a great a great friend of mine, Ronnie Lovett, what a, what a champion man that is. And he, he threw me under his wing and, you know, he's been a life coach and a career coach. But to be yes. able to give you life experiences and share his life and his life experiences, you know, and where, where you can apply that back to your own. And all of a sudden, because I think and at points in time, young people, you know, get so excited about their careers <laughs> And which is great. I love it, right? And, and I never stop it. I, I, you know, and everyone tells you you've got to have, you know, work-life balance. Well, as a 25-year-old construction guy, all I wanted to do was work hard and play hard. 
Hmm. And, you know, and I was on site at 6.30 in the morning because I wanted to be there before the foreman got there. And I was still there at 6.30 at night. And to me, that was exciting and that was what it was all about. By the time you get to 35, you're sitting there and, you you know, it's becoming tiring. And, and then you've got a young kids. And, hmm. and I think it's really important to actually think about work-life balance and don't say there's any specific formula. It changes as you change. Sure, sure. But it is really important to round your career is not just your work. It's your whole life learnings, I think. And, Isn't that great? And that's probably where I am at the moment is I'm, yep. I'm, I'm hoping that I can share some of my life learnings and my career learnings. So, you know, mm -hmm. which, which where you say is where am I in a development stage mm. and my learning stage. And I, every opportunity I get to be a mentor, whether it's a formal or informal, I take that opportunity. I probably get more out of it than those people that I'm working with, to be honest. You know, it gives me the opportunity to reflect. It, it triggers something that I hopefully remember and then can pass on to someone else. Um, it enables me to add real value when I, yes. you know, and, and for me that's a real point now is it's how do you measure value? It's not measuring hours. Mm. To me it's it's how do I add that value? And it may be that that, that value is and as you indicated, maybe maybe someone listening to this can pick one or two things up along this journey and and maybe that will trigger something. To me, that's the value yes. that I'm looking for. Sure, sure. It, it, yeah. Fantastic, Ben, fantastic, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, I, do, I still do a, do a lot of readings. Um, what would you do differently if you could? Is there anything throughout your career that if you had a second opportunity, you would do it a different way? Yeah, it's a very good question. And... Um, you know, I mentioned the word patience. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wish I'd probably learned to be more patient earlier in my career. I probably would have absorbed a lot more of my learnings by being patient. And, and you know, not to say that I haven't enjoyed the journey, but I do use that term a lot. I do, I do now say to a lot of people, slow down, enjoy the journey. Yes. It's not a race. I think at some point in time I felt I was running a 100-metre race. I had to win. I had to finish something. I had to finish this. I had to finish that. Mm. And life, I don't think, and when you put it back into your career and life, it's not a race. Mm. And it is a journey and, mm. and enjoy the journey. And, you know, it's easy to say with 30 years' experience and, you know, I don't think I'm that wise, but, you know, I look back as a 25, 30-year-old, I was probably too abrupt. You know, well, great probably, advice. Well, great advice. Enjoy the moment. It's, it's, yeah. So it's a marathon it's hard. sprint. I think that's right. And I think, yeah. you know, at some points in time, you feel like you're sprinting a marathon, and, you know, and you're working hard. And mm. I don't think people should get down on themselves and say, oh, you know, I've, I've got the wrong job. It's too hard. I'm not mm. doing it mm. right. I, and, and, you know, I, I think that's one thing I never did was really look and others, I, you know, I never went, oh, I should be doing what they're doing. Or I should be doing what they're doing. You know, I saw others who were often in that space and I know, I don't know why I was different, but, you know, so it's maybe something that I am comfortable in myself. That, you know, no, this is, I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. This is how I, I want to, you know, I, I, I must admit, I always like to finish something I started. Sure. And I think as senior executives, it's a wonderful trait that we look at people. We, we do observe that when we're looking 
when you're building teams, how do you build teams of people that they stick with it? Now, it, it, at certain points along their career, they will find a time that now I need a step change or now I need mm-hmm. something different. But I think if you look forward and you say, okay, in six months' time, that looks like it's going to be the right time, you can actually sort of start mapping that out. You know, I, I have a lot of 30-year-olds that look at me and say, I want to do this in three years' time. And I go, wow. I said, I don't know what's happening in three months' time. We're like three years' time. <laughs> I said, you know, how about just enjoy the moment now and look six Great months advice. Great advice. You know, there's nothing wrong with having aspirations. I think that's fantastic. Of course. Well, I had that aspiration. I wanted to be the general manager of Abigail. I was the general manager of Abigail for four years and I did enjoy it. I probably, it probably wasn't what I expected. It probably wasn't as enjoyable as I expected. One thing is that I, I think the CEO of a business must be the most loneliest job in, in, in any business. Mm. I think for young people that, you know, think, oh, you know, that, those grand titles, they're, they're fantastic. Mm. You know, my, my view is it's every role in the business is an important role. You know, the CEO or a group executive or you know, sure. CFO, they're just doing different roles. The greatest strengths of all engineers of any discipline is their intriguing minds to problem solve. The, the weakness is they have this absolute bias that they can solve every problem. And, and therefore, their risk appetite is way too high. In my yes. mind. And it's not arrogance. It's, and I don't even think it's confidence. At, at times... Enthusiasm. I think it is enthusiasm. And at times it grows into confidence. And at times it grows in our arrogance. And I've, I've been in both of those circumstances in reflection, you know, and, and confidence is a great place to be. Arrogance is not. Sure, sure. You know, and you don't even know you're arrogant until someone tells you after the event. And you sort of look back and you go, wow, you know, that's I scary. Think it's too late. And the damage is done. And yes. you know, I think, you know, reputations are, are something that I think are very, very powerful. And I think those are reputations, their career reputation, their personal reputations. And you spend a lot of your career building a reputation and, and you can spend minutes unwinding it. Very true. Protect it. Yeah, yeah protect it. You know, I'm a mad, I'm an avid football sports fan, all sports of all kinds, but Zinedane Zidane, one of the greatest footballers, and you may recall in the, the World Cup when France was playing Italy, one of the greatest footballers of all time. He'll only ever be remembered for headbutting yes. the Italian defender. Yes. That yes. split-second reaction, I'd be lying to say that I didn't have split-second reactions and I snapped at people when I was growing. And I look back and I think to myself, if there were things I could change, it was have to have the patience to be able yes. to breathe, sit back and say, well, why have they asked that question? Or why has mm. someone why has someone made that statement? Or, or why has someone provoked rather than re- react? Yes. And I think the ability to, to pause and not react is, is a real strength, but it takes it takes courage and experience. Sure. Ben, you've been very kind with your time. I've got one final question as a sort of a wrap-up, which would be, in your words, what would be the key messages that you'd like to share with up-and-coming engineers? Yeah, and I think I touched on it earlier, is your network. Again, it's probably a word that wasn't used when I was, you know, early in my career and we didn't really even understand or probably have the tools to network properly. In those days, it was a pub on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. You know, that was where you networked at the end of the day, on a, at the end of the week on a Friday. 
you know, today there's so many different tools available to us for that. I think the power of, of your networks is, and it takes, and there's a lot of work that goes into, is into building your networks and nurturing your networks. And I have a wonderful network of colleagues that I call friends today, very close friends, and they'll be life friends. And, and so we've, we've been fortunate enough to, to extend our industry connections into a situation where that becomes a, a life friend. And, and I'm very joyous for that. And it takes a lot of energy and effort. You know, I think early on in building those networks, it can become, I think, a little bit difficult because you don't get a lot back for it. For all the effort, there's not a lot that comes back in building those networks and nurturing those networks. And, and it's really important to build those networks and nurture those networks when you don't need anything. I, I so often see people wanting to build networks when they think they need something. Well, that's just a transaction. That's not a network, career. You're not, you're not creating a relationship. That is simply a transaction. And that's okay. Those transactions are required. They occur. That is business. I think moving beyond a personal transaction into cultivating your network, I think, is a very powerful thing that will stick with you throughout your whole career. And I think, so don't underestimate that. And I don't think when you're young, you think, oh, I've got to do that with, and you're always looking up, I've got to do that with the boss. I've got to do that with the boss's boss. I've got to do that. I, I actually believe do it with your peers and do it with your mm. reports. Mm. As I said, mm. those networks will be so much more valuable in, in the long term and yes. they'll, they'll probably yield you greater joy you know, I was going to say fruit, but I think, you know, maybe that's me having a little bit more time to reflect is that, you know, it is about, you know, a joyous journey rather than a fruitful journey. I think the fruit, the fruit will come if you enjoy yourself. Yes. I have been known quite often throughout my career, particularly when leading teams, is to have fun. And I do say this, and I've been, you know, I said it to a group of people as an executive not long ago where, you know, a group of young kids came in and, you know, they work as straight out of school graduates and I sort of, you know, they were expecting some wise counsel from this group executive that wandered into the room and I said, look, I said, let's be honest, none of us really like getting up and going to work every day. <laughs> I said, come on, let's be honest. I said, if we all won tests tomorrow, I said, we'd all go and buy a boat and go sailing on Sundays. I said, so let's be honest. I said, but you know what, we've all got bills to pay. I said, so we may as well enjoy it when we get up and the way, yeah. So I, I often say that if, you know, remember, yeah. enjoy it, you know, yeah. get there, have fun, have a laugh, and it's really important. You know, and I think if you start doing that, you know, it'll, the, the joy, the, the fruit will sure. you know, follow. Yeah. And, you know, so to, to me, that's if, if I was to leave that with someone as a, as a final sort of thought process is, is have fun and enjoy yeah. your journey. Yeah. Great advice. Great takeaways. Thank you, Vin. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast episode of Engineering Career Journeys. Please like, subscribe and provide feedback. Australia-wide engineering recruitment can be found at australiawide.com.au or on our LinkedIn page. We look forward to presenting more interviews with interesting engineers shortly.